0: You are listening to a podcast from U.I.B. Write. Hello and welcome. We are here in the studio on behalf of the Writing Support Podcast to talk about writing in physics. My name is Selina and next to me sits Arlan. Hello. And with us here today, we have... Rachel Wigner. And Bill Briscoe. So what do you work with? Um, I'm the Executive
1: Director of the University Writing Program at George Washington University. And what that means is that I oversee three different areas of the writing program. We have a writing center, we have a first year writing program, and we have a writing in the disciplines program. And I'm a researcher and I collaborate with Bill.
2: And I'm chair of the physics department at George Washington University, and for years also taught uh, general physics students, but also the uh, capstone course in physics. So as that, I got to see a lot of the Uh, what we call the capstone works of our students, and that led us to get together, as we'll explain later. Mm
0: -hmm. So, uh, you described that the goal of your research project is to demonstrate to scientists through their own disciplinary values that students can be taught STEM writing genres, uh, and that STEM faculty can do this uh, teaching. Could you firstly tell us what STEM means? Uh, and then tell us about this approach and your project.
2: Okay, now STEM is an acronym that we use in the US a lot. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics. And uh, we have programs at the university that uh, have just been reduced to STEM. Although the sciences and the engineering and the technology areas and the mathematics are very different, they still require similar training and writing. Okay, so we could put it all together. There's been more resistance in some areas than others, but uh, we won't go into that right now. But it's important to all these areas. Uh, uh, we would like to expand this into these other areas. We have colleagues in engin- engineering and biology and one in chemistry, uh, each, that are interested in this. Unfortunately, the mathematics department is a little behind on the a cue there, <laughs> Rachel could explain that, but yeah, that's no, that's a, that's not part of. It. Okay, but uh, uh, they're coming along, and uh, it's just that we're not all working together right now. Each are, are acting individually, but I think we're the only ones working with the writing program, uh, uh, acknowledging our difficulty and wanting to go along with this.
0: So, how did you start collaborating with each other, and and why?
2: Well. Over my years at GW, I've not only taught in the physics department, I've also been on the the research committee. And in fact, I chaired for the research committee for like 20 years now in the Columbia School, which is our school at the university. And uh, in both cases, I got to read a lot of writing of students and faculty. And one complaint over the years has been from people on the research committee who have to review like requests from students and faculty for support, was that they could not read the physics uh, proposals. So they would always ask me who shouldn't be making these decisions to uh, read and interpret the physics proposals for them. And I realized that in both cases, uh, there is neglect in the training of a physicist to have them be able to write properly for the audience that they need to write for. They write for their colleagues who are already experts in their particular field, but they don't know how to write for the average uh, educated, I always say this, human being uh, mm-hmm. that uh, is interested in their field, but not an expert, does not have training in physics or especially their area of physics. And then uh, in trying to do this, I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I asked Rachel for some help.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when I started speaking with Bill at that time, I was head of the Writing in the Disciplines program, which is one of the, our three areas. And Writing in the Disciplines is a curriculum where we work with faculty to embed writing into um, what we call interdisciplinary courses. You might use the word modules. Do you use modules or cor- we call them courses, classes? Yeah, yeah um, courses. Courses. Yeah. In Ireland, mm-hmm. they say modules. In the UK, they say modules, but in any case. Um, and so I have been working over the years with different faculty to do this, but we'd had sort of not a lot of, of buy-in from the from the sciences, from STEM folks. Um, and so Bill came to me and started talking to, to me about the observations that he just described. And so I started, we started a discussion about, well, what you're thinking about is that students... Um, don't have expertise in the particular genres that they're asked to write, and they don't know how to write a good proposal um, because they haven't been trained to do that. And faculty, on the other hand, haven't been trained to teach how to write in the specific genres of their disciplines. So a student might not know how to write a good proposal. A student might not know how to write a good abstract or... Um, A good lab report and they and students don't know the different ways in which you would write for the in those particular places and for those particular audiences. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So what I did is took some of the concepts from writing studies that I'm very familiar with and transported them into the physics context. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where our collaboration began with those with their problem and their need and then my expertise and bringing those things together.
0: Yeah. You are listening to a podcast from UIB Right. You've uh, both been together conducting a study genre based, uh, on genre based writing skills in physics. And could you tell us about physics writing and the genres that the students must master?
2: Okay, so there are several levels that the student uh, uh, needs to be proficient at. At one level, of course, there is the uh, genre in which they're writing their bachelor's or master's thesis, Mm -hmm. okay? And that, of course, has to be uh, a more professional document. But we found, uh, we start this program in our uh, sophomore level courses, a second year course, and we found that our students uh, will use the same style. Yeah. The same genre for writing a letter home to their parents, writing to their high school science teacher, or writing to uh, the uh, head of the research program to give them money. They don't change one bit. Okay, yeah. They don't know how to adjust for the audience. Okay, Luckily at GW, we have a first year program in writing. Okay. So the students, uh, as Rachel will tell you in a second, have the basic writing skills Mm -hmm. that came out in our report, I mean, in our study. But that's about it. Uh, After that, they have to be trained into the different genres necessary for physics.
1: Yeah. I think Bill's pretty much covered it. There are different genres that students write in physics to different audiences Mm -hmm. and unless they are trained and and made attentive to those genres and the differences between them, differences of audience, differences of purpose, differences in style, differences of voice, um, differences in the way in which the context is presented and the differences in terms that need to be explained, then they don't know they need to do this. And so what we started looking at with the physics curriculum was thinking about how to build that kind of capacity into the physics Mm -hmm. major from the very beginning, from the first year that students are in the major, all the way through until they graduate. And thinking um, explicitly and intentionally with the faculty about how they could scaffold that kind of learning about writing into the content of the, phys- the entire physics major. Um, so that writing isn't something that's just ad hoc, you know, they'll take a writing course, you know, in their junior year and that's it. But that writing is intentionally woven into the entire curriculum. And that means training the faculty and working with the faculty.
2: Yes, and most physics faculty of the, uh, in the ages, even here, even now, uh, think, well, this is something they learn in their own we're here to teach physics, okay? And writing is not part of our curriculum. And we we got that last year when we presented at the uh, uh, American Association of Physics Teachers meeting. Uh, While lots of people were interested, there were those in the audience that would shout out, no, that's not appropriate for a physics course. However, if I may add a little bit, uh, 80% of our physics majors do not follow into becoming professional physicists. Only about 20% go to graduate school. Yeah. Okay, mm. Of that 20%, only about another 10% uh, go to get a PhD. And of that, only about 10% of them actually get a faculty position at the university. Yeah. And yet, our program has been geared in the past to students to go on to get a PhD in physics, and be big professors with ribbons hanging off their glasses.
1: Right. Um, And so one of the things that we talked about is how important written skills are as part of the the physics major, because many of the students will go off and they'll go into, let's say, um, industry. Um, They'll go into law, they'll go into business, they'll do a variety of things where communication is key. And they have to be able to explain how what they've learned in a physics major what it means and what kind of skills it gives them so it's not just like i can do this yeah. but how is that applicable to this the con- the new context that i'm in yes. moreover it's it's thinking about it's not just what you know, but you always have to explain to other people what is it that you know. Yeah,
0: so other people can understand. Right. Mm.
1: Other people can understand. So it's great if you know something, but if you can't explain to someone else that you know that, what's the point? (laughs) Then you know that you know it, but um, it's not applicable to anything else. So those sort of fundamental written skills that are also oral skills about saying, I have learned this and this is why it's meaningful. Or I have learned this and this is why you should, you know, it is important for you to something for you to know. Um, I talked to engineering colleagues about this as as well, that there. it's not just that their students have particular engineering capacities, but they always have to communicate that outward to a variety mm-hmm. of audiences.
0: You are listening to a podcast from UIB Right.
1: So one of the things we've talked about um, a lot is that What's happening nationally in the U.S. is that the the large physics um, professional association, and you're going to name it for me.
2: The American Physical Society, APS.
1: APS has really encouraged writing and communication skills. And so at the national level, there's a movement in the U.S. to encourage writing and communication within physics majors. Um, So that's one thing that's driving this. Um, In addition to the, you know, the experience that Bill and his colleagues have had at the ground level with it, with their curriculum. Yeah. Um, and so there is a need to, not only is, are people saying that there is a need, but what is persuasive to scientists is data-driven research. Mm-hmm. So you can say that this is important, but it's also important to show that it, <laughs> it, yeah. it works mm-hmm. and is an important. So what we are doing is we've designed a study. um, And one of my colleagues, whose name is Carol Hayes, is really at the forefront of this. Um, She has more, she has a deep experience with data analysis and writing studies. And so we are looking at student teaching, uh, written materials from before uh, at the curriculum change. So before there was an intentional um, teaching of writing that was part of the physics major. Mm -hmm. We have collected that materials. and now, and we are analy- we developed a rubric to look at it, mm-hmm. and we are analyzing it for things like style and for word choice, attention to audience, um, articulation of purpose. Um, and we are also then looking at student written materials that were produced after um, the physics changed their writing curriculum to include explicit attention to the teaching of writing. Mm-hmm. And what we want to know is is there a difference? Um, that a demonstrable difference between the before and after.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that's where we don't quite have results yet, because we have analyzed the before material, but we haven't finished analyzing the after material. Because this is a multi-year process, right? You have to start um, two years ago mm-hmm. when before the curriculum, new curriculum was instituted, and now we have one year of data from the after, right after the the intentional teaching of writing, and we're gonna look at a subsequent year. Mm-hmm. And so our results are pending. But we're doing this um, in part because, and you, you can jump in here, what's, what is persuasive to physicists is, is data, right? Can you, can you explicitly show that there has been an impact um, mm-hmm. on student yeah. writing?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And right, and I think the impact would be uh, getting feedback from our graduates Besides so the studies we're doing and looking at the evaluation ourselves, but getting feedback from our graduates, did we prepare you for what you wind, wound up doing? Mm. You, know, uh, you know, students I uh, have had in the past to become bankers, yeah. to finance. You know, mm. person who gave you derivatives and nearly crashed the stock market was a physicist. Okay, <laughs> for example, uh, we won't we'll go into that. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they have uh, to develop those skills. We uh, not only teach him writing, but also we bring him to the uh, bring him to the career center, and they work with them at least twice a month. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and make sure that they see all options. Uh, the complaints in the past from students have been, "You're training us to be PhDs in physics. I don't want to be a PhD in physics. I want to go into business." Yeah. Okay. In uh, five years ago, the APS had a workshop and was called Reinventing the Physics Major, in which they encouraged us to include not only writing, but business courses in our curriculum. Yeah. You could imagine some of the old timers really mm-hmm. did not like that. Yeah, I <coughs> Waste of time, you know. Uh, that's what they would say, tell me. Uh, but uh, at that time also, a group of us from the APS and six universities got together and got this proposal, uh, submitted a proposal to the National Science Foundation, NSF, called Pipeline, in which we would, in reinventing this physics major, give them their skill set that would be a pipeline to the uh, outside areas out of physics in which they were eventually going to work. Uh, the 10% or 5% that become professors, they're being well-trained, no matter what, yeah. okay? Mm. Uh, but it's the 95% that we were worried about, that they, we wanted them to have the skills to do whatever they wanted to do.
1: Yeah. And the 5% who become physics professors they also have to you know, write papers and write grants and write abstracts and they need those skills as well. So this is, they have the competencies and these are students who are very good at the, you know, the physics content, but they also have the, the writing and communication skills that are very much part of being a professional physicist.
0: So finally, do you have any advice to STEM subject teachers on how they can incorporate the teaching of writing in the classroom? or perhaps some thoughts on curricular and assignment redesign that, you may, that may lift the writing on these subjects?
2: Well, I think in any course you teach, you should demand written products from the students on a regular basis. And these products should be evaluated, critiqued, and given back to the students. And not only by the instructor, but the students should look at each other's work and critique them. Mm. Uh, they all took the uh, introductory course Uh, and some of them are very good creative writers, but they're not good scientific writers. They could help the other students. Other students have all the jogging down. They could write a report that only I could read, okay, but they have to be able to go to their local congressman and say, I'm doing this research. I need the money. Can you appropriate the money? Here's my report, and the congressman has to be able to read it and most of our congressmen are not educated in science. <laughs> Notice I said in science, not just, not, a lot of them are lawyers, you know, what yeah. that is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, there are a lot of curriculum materials that are out there that I think um, colleagues could draw from. And we can actually give you some websites that um, Bill's colleague, Alexander Vanderhorst, has developed um, that, which could be a really useful link. Um, and these are linked to specific assignments within the physics curriculum at George Washington. And so you could see the, the ways in which they've been constructed. I think what Bill has, has focused on is really important is a attention to the writing process in the, mm-hmm. in the physics classroom. That students aren't ju- just given the opportunity to write, but they're given feedback. They're given chances to revise and use that process in which to develop the, their, their writing. That students are shown not just like a, a general concept of good writing, but they're shown models of what a good abstract looks like or a, a strong um, grant looks like or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's, I've, I've just mentioned two things, but there's a wealth of information on writing in, in physics and writing in STEM or writing on the sciences, however you want to say it. Um, uh, there's a wealth of curricular materials that people can access. And we would suggest taking a look at it. Mm-hmm. But I would also say that people should adapt it to their own context. Universities all over the world are different. Yeah. Um, they have different student populations, they have different purposes in their curriculum and that, so what I see when I work with writing with writing with um, faculty all over the world is that um, there's not one standard of what's good. There are, there are some things that are work, but they need to be adapted to particular majors, particular contexts, um, and so that's really important to keep in mind as well.
2: Okay. Well, I think that uh, one thing in this whole process too, when we decided to put into when we finally had enough feedback from the First three years to change the curriculum, we actually did change the curriculum and the instructor, put some young blood in there, yeah. somebody closer to the students' ages who had more, um, you know, energy. Yeah. And also, you know, since uh, a lot of the American universities use this evaluation system, the students have the evaluation. You know, if you're going to change something, you have to change the instructor so that the new instructor. a chance of making those changes Mm -hmm. and the students will say well last year they did this (laughs) well it's a new person new times you know complete break Uh, so we did that twice in the course of the last six years we actually had changes in the instructors in these courses twice Mm -hmm. and now we have some very uh, young uh, younger than me anybody's younger than me the people in there who do have the energy to do this and they love to work with young students. Yeah.
1: Although you're selling your short because Bill is the chair of the physics department and I don't think it would be unfair to say that you're a senior faculty member in the physics department, yes? Yeah. Um, and yet you have spearheaded this. Um, And so this has been spearheaded by one of the most senior members of the physics department. So there's young blood, but, you know, uh, people have been around for a while are also very good at it um, and can be uh, can be good at it. This project has been supported by our school. Our dean is very supportive. Right. And our goal is to also Mm -hmm. look for a National Science Foundation or apply to a National Science Foundation grant because there are grants. Um, that support physics um, educational reform and, and physics educational studies. And so one of the things I think about when I work with STEM folks is that they're also grant driven um, yeah, and right. there is, there are money and there is support to do this kind of research because it is valued. Um, and so I think that it's, it's not just we're volunteering to do this, but it's become part of our, your research agenda, Alexander's research agenda. Right. And it's part of their portfolio and mine as well. Um, so that's something to note for colleagues who might be a little bit skeptical, like I'm, how can I get a publication out of this? You can get grants and publications
2: out. And this research and this trip, in fact, has been supported in part by a National Science Foundation grant.
1: So the federal government is supporting. Right. U.S. federal government is <laughs> supporting our trip here. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I mean, this is an example also of a really good multidisciplinary collaboration. Right. I mean, I am not a trained physicist, but I, last time I took physics was in high school, and I was not so good at it. And yet there are ways in which the concepts that we are working with and thinking about in our two different disciplinary concepts the way in which we're all interested in curricular reform is something that's very shared and that makes a a really rich
0: collaboration you have been listening to a podcast from uib right